Good morning, Grace family, or good afternoon, or good evening, whatever the case may be, and whatever time it is for you, we're grateful that we can be together even though we're not actually together. And it's hard to believe that it's actually Easter week and Palm Sunday today. I don't know about you, but it snuck up on me and Palm Sunday does mark the beginning of Easter week. And so we want to enter into this as a community together this special week. And we have a couple ways you can do that. A daily, daily scripture reading was provided for you through email and text. And then we also will have a Good Friday service and reflection. And that video will come to you early Friday morning. So please keep your eyes open for that. But more than anything, it's our hope that we engage this week with great hope and with joy that is not based on our circumstances, but on who Jesus is. Hey, Grace family, it's Ryan Zellner. I'm in my Palm Sunday best, and I'll be reading the word of the Lord today. Uh, our passage comes from John's account of the first Palm Sunday. So will you get your Bibles open and read with me? Before we read, uh, let us center our hearts in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we ask for a generous portion of your spirit. We want to walk in step with you. We acknowledge this Holy Week and we want to feel connected to you now more than ever. Will you give us an abundance in your wisdom as we navigate and make decisions this week that would keep us in step with your spirit. We pray for the leaders of our country and of our government locally, uh, all the teachers that are doing distance learning and all the owners of businesses that have to make tough decisions this week. Lord, we love you and we seek you during this time. I pray that our church and our people don't miss the opportunities that you have for them, the opportunities that you are creating specifically for them to love others, to draw closer to their families, to reach out and to help. And so, Lord, we know that this is all for your good purpose and for your glory. And so we look for that and we look to praise you this week. In Jesus' name, amen. John 12, 12 through 28. The next day, the great crowd that had come from the feast heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat upon it, as it is written, Do not be afraid, O daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that they had done these things to him. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had given this miraculous sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. Now there were some Greeks among them who went up to worship at the feast. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus. Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I tell you the truth, 
Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. The one who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servants also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. It was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, Grace. Well, on this Palm Sunday, we want to celebrate Jesus, our King. And I want to focus us this morning on the kind of King Jesus is. He is our servant King. He is a King who gives himself away for the sake of his people. And I want to focus us on the contrast between the whole feel of this moment as Jesus enters into Jerusalem and the words that Jesus speaks into that moment, because that contrast tells us a lot about the kind of King Jesus is. So the moment. Here Jesus is after three and a half years of ministry, after teaching and preaching, performing signs and wonders, and gathering a following. He's finally coming into the capital city on the Feast of Passover, the most important feast of the year. So this is a climactic moment in Jesus' ministry. He just raised Lazarus from the dead, so people have seen that miracle, and there's all this excitement and buzz and hype about who he is. And so the the crowds are gathering with all this nationalistic and political expectation. They're thinking maybe finally the Messiah has come. And maybe he's going to enter into the capital city now to be crowned king. Maybe he can purify the corrupt religious leadership of the day. Maybe he can even build an army to defeat the Romans. And they're thinking this might be our moment. They're, They're having these expectations of a golden age in Israel's history, being freed from oppression and and having prosperity again for the first time in hundreds of years. And so there's all this nationalism in the air. They're waving palm branches, which are symbols of Israel. They're, They're quoting messianic psalms. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. They're shouting Hosanna, which means Lord save. So all of this expectation and excitement. So into that moment, we have to hear the words that Jesus speaks into the moment. He begins in verse 23. He says, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I would imagine when the crowds hear that, they're thinking, yes. He's saying, finally, the hour has come. He's going to do it. He's going to become king. And then in verse 24, Jesus says something that I think would have been utterly unintelligible to the people of that time. He starts talking about a seed. Verse 24, he says this, Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. What a strange thing to say in that moment, to talk about the life of a seed. But I want to talk about seeds today, because if we can understand the life of a seed, we'll understand the kind of king Jesus came to be. So last week we talked about a tree and its fruit, This week, we're talking about a seed and its life. And I shared about our backyard last week, and I'll share something else. We also have some raised uh, beds where we've done some gardening, usually unsuccessfully. But occasionally, we've had success, and we've had a lot of success with mammoth sunflowers. So let me show you some photos. Uh, A sunflower seed, you all know a sunflower seed. 
And it's a pretty miraculous thing. There's so much potential packed in the life of a seed. And what you can do with a seed is something counterintuitive, which is to bury it, to put it under the ground, under the earth. And if you do that, it seems like you've killed the seed. But what actually happens is all sorts of life emerges from bearing that seed. And a huge stock comes up and these beautiful, gigantic sunflowers can spring out. And then from each one of those sunflowers, as they're pollinated, each sunflower produces hundreds of seeds. And so from one seed, you can produce hundreds, even thousands of seeds. And when you think about a seed, really a seed has two options, right? One is I can remain alone. I can stay safe in my package. I can choose to protect myself. But if I do that, I will remain alone. Or I can do something crazy. I can give myself over to the ground. I can die. But if I do that, I can produce thousands of seeds that have the same life that I have. And that is this perfect analogy for, for Jesus' life and ministry. Right? He steps into this moment with all the excitement going around him. And he says, I can remain a single seed right now. Meaning, I could actually fulfill all these people's expectations. I could come in here. I could crown myself as king. I could defeat the Romans. I could usher in a golden age in Israel's history. Bring in a time of prosperity for everybody. I have the power to do that. And I don't even have to die to do all of that. But if I choose to go that way, I remain alone. My life remains with me. And all these people will enjoy success and prosperity for a time, but they will all die in their sins. So my other option is to do something crazy, which is to disappoint all their expectations. It is to go to the cross and die. It is to suffer, to take on myself, the sins of the world on the cross, to suffer and die, to be buried, to die. But if I do that, I can bring life and forgiveness and freedom to thousands, literally millions of human beings. They can have the same eternal life in them that I possess within myself. These are my options, to save myself and remain alone or to give myself over to death and produce life for so many people. And so in verse 27, you see him weighing these two options. Now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. It was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And so today we celebrate Jesus, our King. A certain kind of King. The seed King. The servant King. The one who gives his life away so that we can have life. And it's it's pretty amazing. I mean, you think 2,000 years later, here we are now sitting in our homes today. We are all these seeds that were produced by Jesus choosing to die so that we could have the same eternal life that he had. 2,000 years later, that seed is still bearing enormous eternal fruit. And so we celebrate him today. And not only do we celebrate him, but we also hear his invitation to enter into the kind of life that he lived, the seed life, the servant life that he lived. Here's how he puts it in our passage. He now invites us into that way of being. Verse 25, anyone who loves their life will lose it. 
while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. He says, uh, you can love your life, and he's actually saying that in a negative way. To love your life is to hold tightly to it, to cling to it, to try to preserve it and protect it and make sure nothing happens with it. And he says, you can do that, but if you do that, ironically, you will lose the very thing you're trying so hard to protect because you do not receive eternal life by clinging and hoarding and holding tightly to what you have. That's not how my kingdom works. You will not receive eternal life and you will not be fruitful in other people's lives. So alternatively, what you can do is you can hate your life. And what he means by that word hate is you can surrender it. You can give yourself up. You can choose not to cling, but you can give yourself away to God and to others. And ironically, when you give your life away, you will find true life, eternal life. And you will bear fruit not only in your own life, but in other people's lives. Because that's how my kingdom works. It's a servant kingdom. It's a kingdom where sacrificial love wins the day over wealth and power and self-preservation. And so this is the invitation to us on Palm Sunday, to follow in the way of our servant king. In Romans 12, Paul says it this way, In view of God's mercy, offer yourselves as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Just as Jesus offered himself, Just as animals were offered in the Old Testament as sacrifices to God, so also we are to offer our lives daily to God and to others, saying, Lord, here I am. Take who I am. Take my gifts. Take my resources. Take my roles and responsibilities. Take my passions. It's it's all yours. I offer it to you to be used however you want to use it today. And we do that knowing that sometimes that decision will feel like death. It will. But we also do it with this imagination for knowing what God can do with a seed when it chooses to give itself away. And so on this Palm Sunday, let's celebrate Jesus our King and let's offer our lives to Jesus our King again in a fresh way. As we consider the implications of this teaching for our actual lives, we have to ask ourselves a really important question. Will we let this truth about Jesus become the truth about us? Because really, let's be honest about this. This is really challenging stuff. How do we actually do this? This feels so hard. The prospect of letting go, of surrendering our lives like this feels scary, and and it feels risky. And if that's what you're feeling right now, you're not alone. I, I feel it too. But here's something I hope will be helpful for us. You know, if all we do is focus on the hard part in this, the the dying, the letting go, on what we're giving up, then we'll lose sight of all that we have to gain. The power, the freedom, and the glorious benefits that come with following Christ. Benefits like truly finding our life, the benefit and privilege of bearing much fruit for the kingdom, the benefit of keeping our lives for eternal life. Can we come to trust that the life Jesus calls us into is truly the good life? Trusting that 
The glorious benefit of following Christ, as upside down as it may seem at first, is infinitely better than any alternative way of living. You know, when I was a young adult, a couple years before I got married, a couple buddies and I spent a week of our summer in a tough part of Newark, New Jersey, serving with an organization called World Impact, who was doing inner city ministry there. And one night we were talking with the program director who is uh, running uh, that location. And we were just hanging out, getting to know each other. And he was sharing with us how how before he took on this particular ministry, he had attended a very prestigious university. He went on to get his MBA at Wharton Business School and then on to a very successful career on Wall Street. He was this young guy who was a high flyer. He had the world by the tail. And then in the midst of his success, God grabbed his heart and he felt called to leave it all, the prestige, the money, the security, to go live amongst the poor in the inner city of Newark and just give his life to service. I remember being so fascinated by his story. I was in my mid-twenties and just starting to make my way in the world. I was so intrigued and and curious about his process, how he, he went from this life where it looked like he just had it made to give himself to a life that was so radically different, so sacrificial. And we were sitting around in, at the kitchen table in this dingy building, and I asked him how he brought himself to make that kind of sacrifice, to give it all up. And I remember him looking at me, almost surprised at my question. Sacrifice, he said. I don't regard this as a sacrifice at all. The life I'm experiencing now, he went on, the joy I feel just being used by God around here and to be a part of what God is is doing so far outweighs the benefits of the life I lived before. It is no contest. Sacrifice? He says, no. Now, going back to the life I was living before all this, now that would be the terrible sacrifice. Man, as he spoke those words, I remember it was like they were hitting me like a ton of bricks. I I realized that I had been totally missing the point. My eyes were so focused on the death of what he gave up, the sacrifice, that I completely lost sight of the glorious gain. And though for us, the decision may not be that we have to leave our job and go work in a dingy building in the inner city, the question for us is, do we trust that the life we gain in the way of Jesus is a far better way of life? than the one that we are clinging to when we cling to this world. You know, this extraordinary time that we are all experiencing offers us a great opportunity, an opportunity to evaluate what we are really trusting in our lives, the opportunity to consider where we are really finding our security and our sense of well-being. Does this moment compel us towards self-preservation? or to love and service. You know, we've all seen the hoarding that has taken place in our supermarkets during this time. But what might we be hoarding? What might we be clinging to in this time?
The risk in this time is that we go inward, right? It, in, which is really easy to do. We're all locked up in our homes, isolated. It would be very easy to just slip into thinking about ourselves, our own interests, our, our own well-being. But what might it look like for us to die to ourselves, to give ourselves away during this time? Do we have an imagination for that? An imagination for reaching out to others, checking in on one another, serving in creative ways, bringing encouragement, offering prayer, being generous in the season of need. Let's be on the lookout for ways to love. If the forecasts play out as they say, we will likely see needs starting to surge around us. Let's meet that surge with our own surge to love and serve one another. May we experience the joy that comes when the seed of our life dies and bears much fruit. That's my prayer for each one of us. And it's my prayer for our collective family at Grace. So let's bring all of this and ourselves to God as we worship Him together in song. I love you guys. Good morning, everybody. So good to see you on this Palm Sunday. Let's spend some time singing to a faithful God who we know that we can have peace in all times because he is in control. Let's sing, Take My Life and Let It Be. Take my life and let it be Consecrated Take my moments and my days, let them flow in ceaseless praise, let them flow in ceaseless praise. Take myself and I will.
As we're entering into this Holy Week, we're reminded, first of all, that, darn it, we can't be together. So we're bummed about, about that. Uh, but we're grateful that we can at least share this way of being together. And um, we're encouraged by many of you who are passing this video along to friends who might not otherwise step foot uh, in a church building. And we just want to encourage you to that end um, as you think about what we're going to be thinking about and celebrating this coming Easter and just the message, the glorious message of the gospel, we really encourage you to send this along to people who really need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ, uh, to people who may not, again, be willing to, to come on a Sunday morning into our building. So I want to encourage you in that way. And now um, we have some questions for you to consider and to discuss amongst yourselves. So we hope that these questions might might uh, enable you just to keep the conversation going along the lines that we've been talking about. So we hope that you find them helpful and, and fruitful for you. We leave you with a benediction, this blessing that you just heard in that beautiful song. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. Amen.